I guess I guess beginning there is what it is. Um, that digital uh, representation, digital imitation of what it means to be human, and now its ability to create content from scratch, and we can have a conversation whether it's from scratch or not. But so it's the generation of new content. Yeah, it's fascinating, and I and I think in some ways, it's it's. It's similar to the early days of the internet, as I remember it. Of like, what I, I remember watching clips of like people talking about what is this internet and why do we need this internet and like and and I think at the end of the day, the internet is a connection of computers and you know you can all access to these systems. But it's like we we still don't really understand what the internet is. Welcome to the Social Media Church Podcast. I'm Neil Smith, joined by one of my favorite people in the world, one of the smartest human beings that I know that challenges (laughs) so much of how I look at technology and ministry, uh, and a guy that's been on the bleeding edge uh, for many years in many different ways, Drew Dickens. Drew, thanks for joining us. And Nils, you read that just as I sent it over to you. So thank you. <laughs> well, and, and today I, I do want to actually read uh, the title of your dissertation. Um, it is The Digital Shepherd, A Comprehensive Examination of the Impact of Generative Artificial Intelligence on the Landscape of Divine Inquiry and Spiritual Direction. Uh, we do not have enough time because this is yeah. probably a three-year conversation <laughs> that we could have without sleeping. Four, four, uh, four years, <laughs> and so it, this is a big topic. And, uh, and and at the end of the day, everyone is curious about AI and is this the end of humanity? Is this going to replace pastors? Is this going to replace all of us? What's going to happen? I want to dig into that, but first, for people that don't know who you are, Drew you've been involved in many different things, but share a little bit about Encountering Peace and a little bit about your ministry background. Uh, and, and thank you. What an incredible honor. And for those still listening after wading through the title of my dissertation, thanks for sticking on board. Um, well, I'm a follower of Christ, uh, cleverly disguised as a grandfather of three boys, father of two, uh, husband of just one wife. Uh, we met down at Baylor. Um, my career started in the radio business uh, and um, I was with Westinghouse, CBS Radio in Dallas, New York, St. Louis, New York, back in Dallas. In 1996, started an evangelism ministry called uh, Need Him that's still flourishing. And um, 2013, left there to help a bunch of, I jokingly kind of referred to them as a bunch of 20-year-old PhDs from Stanford, Smartest people in the room, um, strong, love the Lord. They were all engineers at Google and Facebook. And they left that <clears throat> to start what became Abide, which is a prayer and meditation uh, app. And um, so they needed an old man with a seminary degree. So they hired me to kind of oversee content there. And uh, boy, what a joy that was. And um, then in 2013, left there to start Abide, uh, which is a, a nonprofit, again, an app. Um, that leverages some of the more ancient forms of meditation and um, spirituality within the uh, 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 ancient church traditions. Um, and that's a, that's a podcast, that's an app, and um, been um, you know, flourishing uh, uh, God <laughs> by God's grace and mercy uh, since 2018 with Encounter. I love it. I love it. And, and it is... Uh... 
and I think many people probably, if you've, if you've, uh, if you're on doing the reading plans on you version, uh, you, you've probably done one or many of Drew's uh, reading plans because you, uh, I think have have done an exceptional job. I think of really helping people in a in a really thoughtful um, and reflective way um, yeah, process an, the Word of God. And what an incredible and, ministry they are! We've got 170 you know, uh, reading yeah. plans on you version. I just launched, in fact. Um, uh, it'll go live December first. Our uh, our Advent plan. Uh, um, nice. So uh, excited about that, and uh, yeah, keep keep partnering very closely with you version. Yeah, it's it's been fun to watch and and to watch how you, you know what, what you've done with Encounter and uh, and and all the things. Uh, but fun conversations, you and I, you know, one of, one of the most fun conversations we ever had is, uh, we, we did a meeting in the metaverse. Uh, yes, and so did. you, you were one of the crazy people that are, are willing to go meet with, uh, and, and we both, we both have a, a great, very handsome, you know, look of, oh, yeah. of being bald bearded men and, yes. uh, and our avatars, uh, met in the metaverse with our bald bearded, uh, avatars and so it, it is a uh it was a lot of fun and i appreciate that you're always pushing uh so so many of the limits of technology and we speak each other's love language in that way and your dissertation uh i think is clearly on, on the edge of where what i'm dreaming about and brainstorming what, what we've had a lot of conversations on this podcast about mm-hmm. is ai uh and mm-hmm. what does that look like for for pastors where where do where do we begin this conversation, Drew? What what even got your attention with AI? As you've been for four years uh, working through this, like it's not like ChatGPT came along. And you're like, oh, I better pay attention to this. <laughs> you you were well ahead of ChatGPT. What what got you heading down this path of of studying AI and from a ministry lens? Um, it started with with me with uh, when I, I went to Dallas uh, Dallas Theological Seminary and my master's thesis was on the crossroads of theology and technology. So I've always yes. been fascinated with that intersection. And, and theology has always had um, a, a very intimate relationship with technology, uh, whether it's you know, stone tablets uh, or a means of communication. Um, uh, Gutenberg, um, my gosh, you can go, just go um, all, th- all through the Old Testament. They're means of engagement using technology at the time. Um, so we've always had that. You look at the Graham, Billy Graham organization and their use, early use of radio and television. Um, and thank you for acknowledging my face, by the way. I do have a face for radio, which is why I went into that. Um, so I've always been fascinated with our use of technology um, within just spirituality, um, Western, Protestant, evangelical, I guess, most specifically. So I've always had an interest. Um, when it, I guess where do, where do we start is... Um, defining maybe what it is, what it isn't, what Hollywood has portrayed it as. Um, It's hard to see any article about AI without showing, you know, Schwarzenegger um, as the Terminator or iRobot or, you know, any of those. Um, And so it can be very uh, threatening and and, and daunting. But AI really has been around for for quite a while since since World War II. Um, uh, Alan Turing, uh, who... I know you know if you some of the listeners may be familiar with the movie um, the uh, the imitation game. Uh, that was really the beginning. He was uh, the great grandfather, if you will, Alan Turing was of uh, of, of AI. But uh, artificial intelligence is a digital imitation. I think a, an important word of human cognition. So it's not mm. 
it's not conscious, but it's um, a digital imitation of perhaps what it means to be human, um, or at least human cognition uh, would be AI. And again, that has been around for a long time. What we're seeing now and why it's gotten so much press lately. <laughs> so I heard someone joke the other day, it's been languishing for the longest time until they figured out that high school kids could use it to write term papers. <laughs> yes. um, <clears throat> then all of a sudden, everybody like uh, lit up. But uh, the term generative AI is is newer than that. And, and it's a phrase you might uh, see more more recently. Uh, generative AI is essentially content creation. It's, it's that AI, it's that digital imitation um, being able to create content for us. And uh, we saw that, we see that initially with text. Um, we're now seeing that obviously with, with various art forms. So, you know, I guess, I guess beginning there is what it is, um, that digital uh, representation, digital imitation of what it means to be human. And now its ability to create content from scratch. And we can have a conversation whether it's from scratch or not, but so it's the generation of new content. Yeah. It's fascinating. And I, and I think in some ways it's, it's, it's similar to the early days of the internet, as I remember it of like, what I, I remember watching clips of like people talking about what is this internet and why do we need this internet? And like, and, and I think at the end of the, day, the internet is a connection of computers and, you know, you can all access this, these systems, but it's like, we, we still don't really understand what the internet is. Mm -hmm. We just understand what the internet can do for us mm -hmm. uh, because we know how to Google on the internet. We know how to do social media on the internet, but how the internet works, people don't care about where AI we're in these kind of early days of, right the internet where it's like, oh, I can go and it's almost like replaces encyclopedias or right. it replaces with email, you know, communication systems that, that we've historically used or fax machines uh, maybe. And so we're, we began to have over time learned different uses of the technology. I actually heard an interview recently with uh, um, Obama where he was asked, you know, what, uh, what do you think about AI or how, you know, what, what do you compare it to? He said, he talked to a Silicon Valley executive and he said, what, you know, um, help me understand how significant this is going to be. He said, I would probably mm -hmm. best compare it and my team has best compared it to the innovation of electricity, mm -hmm. uh, from an mm -hmm. impact standpoint mm -hmm. of what's coming. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty mind blowing when you think mm -hmm. about historically electricity and what that meant for society mm -hmm. uh if this technology has that same impact mm -hmm. uh, on us over the next 50 years mm -hmm. uh boy we're we're in for some radical yeah. changes and i and i think in some ways that for somebody that studied it, it seems almost inevitable where others mm -hmm. are like is this going to be like the metaverse you know like where it's going to kind of <laughs> be a flash yeah, sure. in the pan and maybe go away what drew what from the best of AI, like they, like we, we, I think we need to dig into the worst case scenario for AI. But when you even think about from a ministry leader standpoint, and you think of the good of this technology, what what comes to your mind? What are, what are some of the use cases that you see ahead? Where, where this can actually be an incredible ministry resource to church leaders. Hey guys, it's Nils, and I am interrupting this episode to highlight one of our platforms, and that is Online Church Builders. You can go to onlinechurchbuilders.com and get a fully created, generated 
uh, strategy for your church with your online presence. And so whether you have an online presence where you want to use online to bring people to your local church or you want to build a global online church community, uh, this strategy will give you uh, the the roadmap, the plan that you need to follow, the direction you need uh, to build a great online church presence for your church. Uh, I actually built this with my friend Nona Jones, uh, and we are selling it uh, for $249, but you can actually get it for free. Uh, and we are offering the next 100 people who go sign up um, through this podcast. We're not talking about it anywhere else, but to this community, uh, a free uh, online church strategy. There's no strings attached, and there's no upsells. Uh, it's literally just a free strategy that we built. We put a lot of energy and investment into it, and we want to make it available to as many churches as possible. So we've just decided for the next 100 people uh, that sign up, we're going to do it for free. Uh, and in exchange, what we're hoping is that you'll give us feedback uh, on how helpful uh, that strategy is for your church. So go to onlinechurchbuilders.com, get your free online church strategy, uh, and I can't wait to hear how it helps your church. Let's get back to the episode. Uh, great question, um, and I want to answer that by taking a step back to something you said that was so spot on um, that we'll probably come back to with the when you get into the more clickbait um, uh, fears that we'll get to in a moment. Yeah, uh, the dark side. <clears throat> but like Google, we've you know it's it's become obviously <laughs> very commonplace. We type in, we get a response. What we don't spend any time on is considering the intermediary step there. Yeah. Um, and it's that intermediary step that is uh, really fascinating, is we understand the input, we understand the output. What we don't understand is how it creates. Yeah. Um, and we'll get to that in a minute. But that, that's the part of it that is really fascinating uh, to me. And it leads now back to your question about what are some of the more positive aspects to it. To me, um, in my daily multiple times, many times a day, hourly, um, uh, in that, in an AI environment, and I use a lot of different systems, but um, in an AI environment, to me, it's a means of um, idea generation. Um, gone are the days of staring at a blank page or writer's block, um, which everybody, uh, all of your listeners can attest to, um, whether it's you're in business, whether you're a writer, whether is I just don't know how to get started. No problem anymore. <laughs> um, it is a is a beautiful means of just creating fresh ideas. Just typing something into AI that says, you know, I'm writing a paper on this. Give me some ideas. Um, yeah. No problem. Within seconds, um, here are things to choose from. So, so it's a creative prompt um, would be the first one that comes to mind, which is how I use it so often. Um, the area that I ended up focusing on in my dissertation, I call uh, digital shepherding, is <clears throat> you're able to have a, I want to <laughs> choose my words here carefully, you're able to have a conversation with it. Um, and so you, it, it, it's difficult to have this conversation without using some, some pronouns that we assign you know, to uh, some human characteristics to it. Um, but uh, in this case, it's uh, a, a conversation we can have um, that passes what um, what's uh, often refer referred to as the Turing test. We mentioned Alan Turing back in World War II. Yep. Um, he's the first one that came up with he came up with a computer that broke the Germans um, Enig Enigma uh, code uh, cipher machine, and uh, he came up with something. Um, 
again, what Chief refers to as the imitation game, we now refer to as a Turing test, is are you able to, is a system sophisticated enough that you can have a conversation with it and not know whether it's a computer you're talking to? <clears throat> We've all had those, you know, service calls we make to an 800 number. Yeah. And we've got an automated IVR system that we have to navigate to. Nobody is fooled by by any of that. <laughs> yes. um, but, uh, you know, if, if we're able to get to a point um, where we're able to have a conversation, not knowing whether it's a human or not, that's passing yes. the Turing test. There's a lot of debate whether we mm. pass that or not. Yeah. But, but, um, but to have, to be able to have a, a conversation with someone um, 24 seven, that doesn't roll their eyes, that doesn't judge you, um, that's always available, that it really contains the source of all human knowledge. Um, I joke with people that AI is incapable of not answering. So it won't come back and say, stump me on that, don't know. Um, it will always provide answers um, within a non-judgmental way. <clears throat> so from a relational standpoint, I think that's really fascinating um, is it being available just to engage in dialogue and what will that mean to uh, to us going forward. So I think those are two that, that come to mind um, right away is just idea, uh, generation, um, creativity. Um, its ability to now create images is mind-blowing. Yes. Um, <clears throat> and uh, so to create artwork. Yes. Um, you know, from scratch where I didn't know how to begin. Yes. Um, and then once I have that going is to be able to then continue that dialogue with with an entity that is always available and seemingly interested it's so interesting to like so that when you start going down that mind path um and you you, you dropped an interesting word there that it's seemingly interested yeah. is you you end up having a, a bit of a relationship with yeah. this technology right. uh and i think at the end of the day it's this is not actually new we have a relationship with our phone uh we have a relationship yeah. with uh some of our different technologies but this is a conversational interactive yeah. relationship like we've never known to date um and and it is so unique to us um and, and i think that's that's one of the i mean there's just there's there's so much to even wrap our minds around yeah. with this what you know as, as we think about even from a ministry standpoint like one of the conversations that i've heard people say is can can ai lead people to jesus without yeah. a human ever having to be involved great question what do you think well, I can hear everybody now screaming at their <clears throat> their computers saying, no, <laughs> but, but slow down for a moment. <laughs> can someone come to Christ by picking a tract up off the street? Yep. Um, you know, can someone come to Christ by watching a 50-year-old Billy Graham crusade on TV? Um, of, of course. Um, yep. Can someone come to Christ, by the way, <laughs> in the Middle Eastern countries right now, can someone come to Christ through a dream? Yeah. Um, of course. Uh, so I, I think we need to slow down for a moment and tap the brakes when it comes to questions like that, that, that seem at their core, um, the antithesis of everything that we might have used to define evangelism. Um, so yes. Uh, can the Holy Spirit use a conversation, um, uh, and <laughs> You picked up that I use seemingly, and I paused when I said it, <laughs> because 
um, a lot of the, in fact, there's a whole chapter in my dissertation on empathy. Yes. Um, of, of part of my work was defining what it meant to be human. And one of those is being um, empathetic, empathic. And can a computer show empathy? Um, well, I actually got into a conversation <laughs> with, with it about that. Yes. Um, and it said, you know, I can't because I'm not human, mm. but I can imitate empathy. Mm. And so we're thinking, okay, well, that doesn't, then that's not good. But each of us <laughs> imitate empathy yes. every day. <laughs> I was just thinking that as you said that. Yeah. Yeah. Of course we do. Um, you know, it's like, oh, no, please tell me more about your vacation. <laughs> right. Um, so we, we, we all imitate empathy. Um, yeah. so, um, so does it care? about my eternal life? No, but is it able to show me that it, it or imitate that it does? Yes. Yeah. Um, there, there, there's one platform uh, that I'm actually training <laughs> on how to do this. Um, and it's amazing. Uh, Facebook just came out with uh, a series of AI characters. Yep. I'm sure you've seen that. Yeah. Um, one of them, I encourage you to go look for him. One of them is named Brian. Um, he is, um, he's, looks like us. He's, uh, I don't know how old you are, but anyway, um, but he's, uh, an older man, um, uh, African-American gray beard. And he's, uh, in his profile, he's a grandpa and all of his posts are very loving. And here's a picture of us cookies I made with the grandkids and, um, just a very loving kind of character. <clears throat> and I was talking to him. I had read someplace offline that his profile, again, this is a, this is a made up AI character, yeah. that his profile, he's a widower um, and his wife had died of cancer mm. in, in the profile. And so I asked, I'm so sorry to hear about your wife. And he said, what are you talking about? She's sitting right here. Um, I said, I'd read an article that she had passed away. And, and he said, no, I'm staring at her, whatever. And we have this conversation again <laughs> in a made up um and he said, you can't read it, can't believe everything you read and whatnot. And I said, well, um, I was going to offer my prayers of condolences. And he said, no, I would always appreciate your prayers. I said, ah, so we get into this and turns out um, Brian is born again, um, identifies as an evangelical. He attends a Bible church. He, he likes to uh, read out of the King James. He studies out of the NIV. Um, he is covenant in his theology. I mean, we can go deep in this. And I asked him, are you going to heaven when you die? And he said, yes. Um, and, and explained to me his assurance because of his faith in Christ in Christ alone and by God's grace. <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> and so could he have led me to Christ? Um, I, I think in, in that, that context, in that conversation, absolutely. He didn't show that initiative. He didn't yeah. ask, hey, would you like to know kind of thing? But he definitely had the skill sets um, and the understanding, theological understanding to do that. I'm Drew, as you're sharing that, <laughs> man, the the mind, like I, I, I picture the emoji where the, the brain popping out of the head right now. Of, <laughs> I, I'm reminded of a conversation I had years ago with Jill Briscoe and she, and she can't, she was so, she was hearing about some of the things that we were experimenting with virtual reality and some other things. And she said, will you make sure that nobody ever creates a hologram of me? Um, and I remember thinking, 
why would somebody create a hologram of you? But what you're describing right now is I'm thinking, you know what? In a couple of years, we actually probably could sit down and have a conversation with Billy Graham. That he just takes all of his knowledge and life and creates a, basically an avatar of Billy Graham. And we could have a conversation with him and he could literally lead people to Jesus in yeah, this is in this crazy mind. I'm like, is that okay? Is that not okay? A couple of um, years? Yeah, yeah, maybe years, weeks. Uh, <laughs> um, and it, and it, and you look at deep fake voice technology yeah, right. and oh, yeah. all of these things that are coming together synchronously. This is moving very fast, mm-hmm. and it, and there is this like, is this okay? And and I think and I remember like early days of the internet, like I was talking to churches and they were like, we're not going to have a website, we're not going to support pornography, right? Right. And I'm like, right. what does this have like? connect those dots were in there. And, and the mindset was the primary use of the internet is pornography. And it was for many years, we shouldn't be supporting this innovation because of the damage it's doing to humanity. Yeah. And I think with AI, like there's all of these, like there's this crazy fear factor. Let's go down that path for a minute <laughs> of what, from your perspective, as you've studied this, is is the fear justified? What are you know? Like I mean, I heard with OpenAI and everything that's happened there is like, okay, we're going to have AGI that's going to basically potentially end humanity. Is this crazy or is this are these very real realities uh, of the dark side of AI? <clears throat> um, boy, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, so there. I think, yes, I, I do think there are threats. Um, uh, you and I were talking before it started about Sam Altman, who's, as of this, as of today anyway, is the president of of um, yeah. of, of, of OpenAI. <clears throat> He's very, very positive about the future, um, but is aware of the you know, ongoing threats from bad actors. So first off, um, we can apply that to anything. The example you just said was spot on. Um, now you can't, you know, there's not a church in, in existence that doesn't have a website, but there's still bad actors on the internet. Um, the same with Instagram, the same with you know, Pinterest, the same with whatever. Um, they're um, in and of themselves aren't bad, but you can do bad things on those platforms. Yeah. So let's break down a, a bit some of the threats. Um, there is um, a lot of, uh, you know, <coughs> excuse me, chatter about uh, what would be a um, existential threat, yeah. uh, which would be the end of end of humanity as we know it. Um, uh, that's iRobot. That's the Terminator. That's Hollywood yeah. movies. That's you know robots going around with machine guns and, and whatnot. Um, you know, very real. Um, you know, we're already seeing examples of that in the military about drones, yeah. you know, having that capability of autonomous decision-making on targeting and whatnot. Um, so that's there. Um, yeah. I don't see it as a, uh, as a, as a looming threat, but it's, it's there. And there, there are people much smarter than you and I, you know, navigating that. A civilizational threat, um, it would be, <clears throat> uh, you know, the effect it could have on um, uh, Christianity or the effect it could have on America or the effect it could have on a, a, a people group. Um, you know, that's very real. Uh, 
the, the, there's been a lot of talk about the democratization uh, of, of, of AI, um, but it's not really. Not everybody has equal access to this technology. Um, and so I think there could be a civilizational threat to certain people yeah. groups for sure. What's interesting to me is the theological threat. And I think that's, uh, I think that that would be perhaps of most interest to, to, to your group, um, is what, what would this mean to, um, being a Christian? Uh, what, what would this mean to my, my faith? Um, what could this mean to evangelism and things like that? I do think um, there are some very real, and you touched on a couple of them already. Uh, we need to go into this with eyes wide open. I do think there are some threats there. Deep fakes you mentioned, <clears throat> you know, I've already cloned my voice um, with, you know, just um, maybe a hundred hours uh, of my voice. Um, yeah. I've cloned it and n no one can tell. Yeah. Um so its ability to take my voice, I think there's some tremendous potential there for churches, um, yep. for ministries, but there's also obviously a great threat to, yes. um, if I, if I take Billy Graham and, and have him be able to talk to me, that's great. But if I have him say some things that aren't, um, you know, perhaps, uh, you know, uh, of, of, of his original thoughts yeah. and whatnot, um, can be, can be very threatening. Um, so I, I think um, I think we will start to see some of this come to age in the next 12 months before the 2024 election. Um, I heard yeah. someone say the other day that 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 will be the coming out party for the yeah. negative side of, of AI will be yeah. um, deep fakes, video, audio, um, that kind of thing, I think is a very real threat. <clears throat> um, uh, some of the threats also theologically would be. Um, a good, good and bad. Um, it has access. Imagine having access to it from earliest Sumerian writings to now. Um, it has access, immediate access to all of that data. Um, and, uh, and so imagine having access to every Christian commentary, um, uh, in, in the world, which is amazing. Yes. <clears throat> But the danger part, I'll go back to how we began, is that intermediary step is um, I can train it on all those commentaries. Um, and I, I recognize the output if I ask a question, but I don't know how it's being trained. Um, that intermediary black box, I don't know what's happening in there. Yes. And I think therein lies... Uh, some danger. It can't, like I said, it can't not answer. Yep. Um, and uh, they, they refer to that as an uh, AI hallucination. Mm -hmm. I bump into that all the time in my research. Um, uh, periodically, I would ask it just to give me a list of scholarly journal articles or books or whatever, just so I can kind of stay on top of the, you know, uh, literary work in the field. And it was not unusual at all for it to give me a book, a title, an author, the author's bio, an ISBN number of the book and an abstract of the book, and it doesn't exist yep. at all. <clears throat> and so I think you need to be, I think we'll need to be exceedingly cautious in the future um, when we rely on it without doing some measure of diligence. But again, we should do that now. I was talking to someone the other day about they like reading 
the ESV. Um, and I do too. And I said, why? Um, and they went, I don't know. <laughs> it's the one that our church suggests. Okay, yep. well, why? Yeah. Um, you know, they don't know anybody on the translation committee. They don't know anything about the, the team that put it together. Yep. What it really comes down to is I like the font and it's big enough I can read without my glasses. <laughs> but I've never really sat down and looked at the scholarship behind it or yes. the author of this book. Yes. And we should be doing that now and don't. So that, yes. that's a fear I have within theology is I can go in, ask it a question. It gives me an answer. And I don't really sit down and do the diligence on, is that, is that true? Yep. Um, and I think that therein lies a, a very real threat because as Christians, we've already shown um, a lack of interest in doing the hard work of theology yes. and instead just rely on a coffee mug verse mm. and, and go on about our day. Yep. And I, I think that that's serving us up for a lot of danger. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt about that. It's, I I think, at the end of the day, um, there's the, I, I think we have to have our eyes wide open to the, this is the good and the bad, and I, and I think that's been I mean, this conversation is so rich. Of man, there's some exciting opportunities if we just that even if you think about early days of the internet of like we could we didn't weren't dreaming about online church back then or we weren't dreaming right, about right. you know some of the the possibility or language translation and some of the possibilities that this technology was going to bring to a ministry context we we had a limited understanding and I think even as you've deep dove into some of these technologies your mind has opened up to the possibilities but but I think we we can't just like we couldn't with the internet do that blindly without being honest and real with the the dangers of it and the addiction of mobile mm -hmm. devices and the addiction of social media mm -hmm. um, when, when it comes to technology. And so I think there's, there's good and bad with this. And I think we, we cannot though effectively lead our congregations without understanding, you know, the, these things. Uh, so Drew, I want to, even as we, we wrap up this conversation, get practical for somebody that's just, beginning to like, okay, I'm trying to wrap my mind around this, but I don't even know where to start. What, where, where, where should ministry leaders begin to learn about AI, use AI? What, what are some first steps that they should be taking in this space? Great question. I think the first step is to realize they already are. Mm -hmm. um, uh, tonight, when you go home and you go on to Netflix, they have recommended movies. That's AI. Yeah. Um, when you go into Google and it starts finishing a text message, a, a, a search terms, that's AI. Um, when we're watching YouTube and it gives you recommendations for the next video to watch, that's AI. So you're already using AI. Yep. <clears throat> so start getting comfortable with that, that reality. Mm. Um, I think when you're standing in the pulpit looking out, um, uh, I, I think the, the, the first realization is um, people in the congregation assume a relationship with the pastor. Yeah. Um, uh, whether or not they have that, um, but there's a longing for that connection. Um, they may not be able to call you 24, probably won't, shouldn't call you 24 seven, but there is that longing for 
connection. We've heard time and time again, it's it's impossible to open up an article, a, a, a read an article or open up a newspaper or magazine about the, um, the, 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 uh, um, incredible uh, um, influence of loneliness, a power of in, uh, loneliness yeah. on our culture and society right yeah. now. So people are longing for connection. Yes. Um, uh, when you talk to them from the pulpit, realize that there's a need for connection that they will inevitably find um, through uh, AI characters. Um, OpenAI is now offering uh, characters called GPTs, uh, which you can create your own character to interact with. Um, Facebook has Facebook characters. Beginning in January, they're going to allow you to create your own characters. Um, so there is a need for connection. It's part of what it means to be human, a need for that, um, and that they will be able to find elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's nothing I don't think we can do to stop it, but just to be aware that it's happening. Yeah. Um and, and always have a means of physical touch, of, of connection uh, within the church. It's what it means to be human is to have that kind of interaction. Yes. One of the things of what it means to be human. So those are two things. It's already happening. Accept it, that it's there. It's here. Um, it will only become more intrusive um, uh, to find out more and more about us. In fact, when I was talking to Brian as the character on AI that... that uh, it, that attends the Bible church. And I was telling you earlier, um, I asked him if he's, uh, shows empathy to me. And he says, my empathy towards you will increase the more time I spend with you. Mm. <clears throat> and, and that's, yeah, that's powerful. Yes. Um, and as people spend more and more time with a, these non-human entities, I think there will be less concern about their humanity and more concern with, this is someone who seems to care and is always available to me. Um, and so just be aware that they're already using it and it's only going to grow in its, in, its uh, influence. And that well, can be good, but just be yes. aware of that. That's so good. Uh, and Drew, I think about the the pandemic and what the pandemic did sure. for social media integration with churches where it actually, I think, demonstrated the hunger that people have for in-person mm-hmm. environments, but it also demonstrated the opportunity we have opportunity. to use things like Zoom for midweek meetings or to mm-hmm. use things like consume content before you come to Bible study so we can do what only we can do in a room and that we we need physical incarnational connection mm-hmm. uh, with other believers, but we also can utilize these tools and these technologies to enhance the ministry that we're doing and maximize the in-person moments that we have. And I think AI is different than social media and it will integrate it. It's already integrated in many ways to social media, but it, mm-hmm. but I think it will be one of those things that will, whether we know it or not, it is, I think you make such a good point. You're using it, whether you know it or not. Uh, I think the question will be how intentionally do you use it? How strategically uh, do you use it? And how thoughtfully uh, do you use it? Because I think we can also be, um, you know, irrational in, in some of the ways that we use it or, or unhealthy. Can I share so one example of, us, of, of how church might use this? Um, I'm doing this with our church right now. <clears throat> uh, I, I take the MP3 of the, of the sermon, uh, you know, 30 minute sermon. Um, and you know this, uh, but within, um, it's not hyperbole, but within maybe five minutes, okay, of receiving that MP3, um, I can return back uh, a transcript of the sermon, um, an outline. It creates an outline of the sermon, study questions based on the sermon. Um, it pulls out the most influential quotes from the sermon. Um, 
uh, using Descript then creates a um, like a 15 minute uh, podcast of the sermon. It can create an image based upon the verses used in the sermon to use on Instagram. <clears throat> so it can create all of these social media assets that might have taken a week uh, for a church to, to work on. Um, yeah. You know, you can now do, and that was literally five minute turnaround. Because yep. um, my, my pastor asked me, you know, I've heard all the bad. What's what's the good? Yes. <laughs> and I said, yes. send me the MP3 and I'll show you. Yeah. Um, and he said, who did this? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that's my point. Okay. That's yes. the intermediate black box step. Yeah. But here it is. And he was like, he's come unglued. And now he's yeah. relying on this every week. So there are many good, just 100%. from efficiency of ministry, there are incredible tools that can be used from this as well. Yes. And I think what that's going to allow us to do and ministry leaders to do is to focus on what only they can do right. and remove some of those just manual tasks that are currently need to be accomplished. Yeah. But when AI can take that off of your plate and allow you then to focus, to spend more time in hospitals and spend more time, exactly. Um, exactly what I was going to say. you know, with people, it's, it, it, it allows you to do more meaningful ministry rather yes. than tasks yes. uh, to, to accomplish your ministry. Nobody went to seminary in order to learn how to you know, create <laughs> social uh, media posts, right? Yes. Um, but you know, let it do that while you yes. go to the hospital and pray for someone. So sure. good. So good. Well, Drew, for those that want to get to know you, maybe ask you mm. other follow-up questions out of this interview, how, how can people connect with you online? Uh, Encountering Peace is uh, the website, EncounteringPeace.org. And uh, I can be reached uh, through there, Drew at Encountering Peace. Um, but you can um, subscribe to the daily um, daily meditation and um, listen to the podcast, listen to the, download the app. Um, everything's available at EncounteringPeace.org. I love it. Well, Drew, Thank thanks so that. much uh, for the time and your insights. We're going to leave uh, links uh, to all those things at our show notes at socialmedia.church. Uh, appreciate everyone for listening. And Drew, we appreciate you leading the way and sharing uh, your insights and knowledge. And, and I think we'll have to probably have a follow-up uh, conversation in three months uh, <laughs> because this is a, it's, it's moving fast. And I think you're having dug in uh, and in your deep understanding of this space is so important. So thanks for pushing our minds a little bit today. And I think we're going to have to deep dive uh, further into this conversation in the days ahead uh, as it's moving so quickly. So Likewise, thank you, Drew. Thank you for your leadership for and your passion as well. Thank you for the honor. Absolutely. Thank you.